Welcome to Reformed Radio, everyone. I'm glad to have you all in here again for another week. Uh, last time we started a new series going through the five solas and what they mean and how they apply to our lives. Uh, again, we have a special guest, Pastor Mark Schooley. He's a five solas church here in League City, Texas. And um, last time we talked a little bit about sola scriptura. Uh, could you maybe give us a real quick reminder of what that is, Pastor Mark? Oh, sola scriptura, scripture alone, that our sole authoritative standard is the Holy Scriptures as inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They are what we use to guide and mandate all of our doctrine and practice in the Christian life. Right. Sola Scriptura. Yeah, it's, it's what helps safeguard the gospel, right? It does safeguard the gospel. And coming up on Sola Fide that we're going to talk about tonight, it's really Scripture. That focus on Scripture by Luther is what brought out, or I should say brought back, the doctrine of Sola Fide, or faith alone, justification mm. by faith alone, right? Awesome. So you guys are going to be in for a good show today, so let's kick back and get started. Hell is where God says, have it your way. If someone will not have God, then they bring their own hell with them. If Christ is Lord, then he rules over how I watch TV, how I treat my children, how I treat my neighbors. He rules over everything. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. What's wrong with you people? I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. Put on the full armor of God and pray, 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 and pray. Officer, you are not engaging in activity of constitutional behavior. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. By Solo Studios presents Reformed Radio. Well, welcome back, everyone, and let's get right into this. Uh, we're talking about solo fide. Let's start with that, Pastor Mark. Solo fide. What is that in English? Oh, faith alone, right? Faith alone. Faith alone. Wait a minute. I'm confused because <laughs> there's five alones. How are they all alone, but they're all together? Oh, is this a puzzle or something? <laughs> is this a logic puzzle? I don't get it. I'm, I'm confused here, Pastor Mark. <laughs> if you have five apples in a box, can you eat one of them? I don't know. Does the box say you can or can't? <laughs> Who's well, looking? <laughs> right. Can you reach in and grab one or no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tonight we'll grab Sola Fide, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have heard that one actually before. And um, it, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous argument. But still, it's like, that's, that is something out there that's a little bit of a mis misconception I think people have is they go, well, how are they all together, but they're all alone. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I've heard a lot of oneness Pentecostals say the same thing, and Unitarians say the same thing about the doctrine of the Trinity, right? How can there be three and also one? This is actually a good point you bring up, because it's something we have to fight all the time, and it happens to be a very hot topic right at the moment. There's a lot of Unitarians on a rampage right now, so, uh, so that's really kind of pressing for you to bring up, okay? It was totally intentional. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> All right, so when we talk about sola fide, we are 
really getting to the heart of the gospel, the heart of the church, you know, according to Luther, that uh, this doctrine was the doctrine upon which the church would stand or fall, right? Uh, justification by faith alone apart from our work. So justification, very, very important term. We ought to probably give a good definition for yeah, it, don't yeah. you what, think? What is the definition of justification? Justification is a legal declaration, a forensic declaration by God as if he were judge, which he is, right? So it's mm-hmm. a legal declaration by God as judge that the sinner's sins have been removed and that the righteousness of Christ, the merit of Christ has been imputed to that person such that God legal legally declares them righteous in his sight. Mm. That's justification. You hear it commonly said is just as if it never happened, right? Justification, okay. yeah. just as if sin had never happened because it's the removal of sin, but it's more than that. It's also the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. Okay. You often hear when God looks at us, he's, at believers, he sees the blood of Christ, right? Or yeah. he see, and, yeah. and that's a really good word picture for justification because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to you as sinner, just like as you see in Romans 5. Right? So it's, it's like a complete exchange. It is a double exchange, yes. That's a really good way to put it. The great exchange, yeah. Great. Heart of the gospel. Well, that's the first part of the question, I mean, or the statement. But the the next question I would have then is, what is faith? What do you mean when you say faith? Because that's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a buzzword, I think, in Christian culture, um, depending on where you've come from or what right. church background you have. If you come from a charismatic background, it's it can mean something totally different than if you're coming from, uh, let's say, a Reformed Baptist background. Mm-hmm. So how do we define faith? Well, how do we define faith? Well, first, faith is an instrument. Faith is the means by which the righteousness of Christ is imputed to the sinner, right? The faith doesn't save you. The faith doesn't isn't this force in the universe that does all these things. It's the instrument by which God uses to um, impute the righteousness of Christ to the sinner. Okay? So my faith is in active work on my part i have to have faith but that faith is given to me as a gift right i'm regenerated by the holy spirit and that produces faith and repentance in my mind and my heart which wrapped up together those two elements make up conversion so when i'm converted from the darkness to the light it is uh, faith and repentance. And that faith, which we can go with, the Reformers had a very robust view of faith, which we can look at in some detail in a little bit, uh, which I think is important to do. Uh, but that that's what faith does. So it's the instrument that carries on that exchange. Mm-hmm. It's the means, you know, which okay. is given to me as a gift, as it says in Ephesians 2. Right? <clears throat> so... Looking back at um, the sermon I, I gave on Sunday night, you know, I, I think it really ties real closely with hope. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I came across that a lot in my preparing for that. Is you know, it's the assurance of things hoped for, right? It's there's this um, there, there's it's almost exchangeable. 
in a lot of ways. I think so. There's a lot of, you could go and say that I am hoping in Christ. I am hoping in him because he is then using my dependence, my trust in him to then have that exchange, to, mm-hmm. to exchange this, my filth for his righteousness. And he takes my filth upon the cross mm-hmm. where it then dies and it's gone and it's, and it's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Some of the things I hear is um, they look at faith and they add to it. Now, a lot of times people add to it, but they're not adding to it necessarily consciously. Uh, maybe I mean, there are malicious people out there and cults and things of that sort, but I think a lot of times people just kind of get on this tirade where yeah, you've brought it up many times to churches, uh, matters of conscience, where people will make it more of like, it's not just faith alone, but it's faith plus church attendance, faith plus um, King James Bible, faith plus gym memberships. (laughs) (laughs) But you'll notice that those are all good things. There's nothing wrong. Maybe gym membership, I don't know. But the rest of those are all good. But the the problem is when you're adding something on to faith. Uh, So maybe expand upon that a little bit more for me and just kind of explain why is it that it's faith alone? Why do we look at it as it's just this, not works too? So what does Paul say in Romans 3? Uh, We declare that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law, right? He he illustrates that with the exemplar of Abraham in Romans chapter 4, giving Abraham as the example of the man of faith, where Abraham believed in the promises of God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay. So Paul uses the example of circumcision there that occurred after Abraham's faith to show that it wasn't the work that had anything to do with his being declared righteous, right? Um, The credited as righteousness, as Paul says, and that, shows that the work of circumcision was apart from the faith, that the faith preceded it. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the biblical example, and you do see this all the time because it's hard for the sinful heart to to really latch on and, and believe in this idea that I can't do anything, right, that I can't add, that I shouldn't add. Right. You know, there there's this urging inside of us that— wants to try to do the justifying that believes like you said sometimes innocently enough sometimes maliciously right that we really have this drive to justify ourselves Mm -hmm. and the whole point of christ's work is that you can't that you can't you come to faith as he says like a little child right for such as are the kingdom of god and and what does that child do trust in his parents right mm-hmm. he 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 is helpless in himself or she is helpless in themselves to do so many things and so they place their trust in someone greater than them and that's really the essence of faith it is that great hope as you were saying right it is um it is linked with hope um, very, very tightly, and hope because both of those are only as good as the object in which is hoped for and which the faith is placed. Absolutely. Yeah, something you, you mentioned there is 
you have to be like a child, right? And I think that's where the problem is for almost everybody mm-hmm. is we're not trying to be like children. <laughs> you know, we grew up and we're trying to be adults now. And mm-hmm. we think that God needs help. We think that we need to add something to it. Right. Because that's what we did as we grew up is we had to take responsibility. But what scripture tells us is no, you don't. And you can't. You, you can't do anything to help here. Jesus has perfected it, has done it perfectly. You can't add to it. There's nothing to add to. See, that, that's what I love right there. And it, and it always, most of these things come back to the atonement. So how would you characterize the atonement of Christ? Do you think that it's perfect or not? It's perfect. Do you, think you, do you think you can add to it? No. Do you think anything that Tommy can do enhances what, Christ did on the cross? No, it would, if anything, it would make it worse. Okay, and that, but see, that's also important there because I have so many Christian friends who hate themselves and can never be really joyful because they think God's always mad at them. So do you think that Tommy can also ruin what Christ did on, or diminish what Christ achieved on the cross in the atonement? Because even that was on the cross. Even that was on the cross. Well said, <laughs> exactly. See, and that is why sola fide makes so much sense because what you're saying is I can't add to that work of atonement. I can't make it better or worse. It would be arrogant for me to think that I could in either direction. And that's why I take my faith and place it in him alone, Mm -hmm. right, for justification. Which is not to say, and maybe you can run with this one, you know, when we get to James chapter 2, okay, we, we're saying that sola fide, we're saying justifications by faith alone, but it's never by a faith that's what? Is alone, right? Justification is by faith alone, but that faith is never alone. There's always a sanctifying process that occurs with it, wouldn't you say? That's right, yeah, because... When you have faith, something else follows. There's something that changes inside of you, and you have this new heart now. You've been given a fleshy heart. You've given that, that heart of stone has been removed. You've been right. given a new one. The Spirit's been poured into you and causes you to walk in His statutes, which means you're going to bear good works. Exactly. Now, you don't bear good works so that you can have extra works added to your faith, and so that you can then be good enough. Right. No, it's these are the works that come out of the faith that you have. Um, that change of heart results in the works. Necessarily. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So we never confuse sanctification and justification, right? We never mix them. We never say uh, that the sanctification adds to the justification, okay? So we never mix them, but we never really separate them also such that sanctification never occurs where there is justification. It, it occurs necessarily because the same Savior that endured the pains of the cross to achieve a perfect atonement is also our mediator now, the author and perfecter of our faith, and he doesn't fail, and the Spirit that he has sent necessarily achieves his aims. That's right. But, yeah, yeah. This is this reminds me of Galatians three, uh, ten through twelve. Mm-hmm. So, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, "Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them." 
Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by faith. And that, that kind of goes along with what you were just saying, is that if you have faith, you will have good works. That's how we bear good fruit, mm-hmm. uh, as Jesus mentions multiple times. I think it's important to know that we still need the law. We're not saved by the law, right? but we still need it because mm-hmm. that's what we are known by. Right. right. The world looks at us and they see something different. Um, for a faithful Christian family, when the world looks at a faithful Christian family, they go, they're different. There's something different about mm-hmm. there. And they're going to be representing God by keeping his law. Not because that's going to save them like the Mormons. Like the Mormons are trying to do all these good things and, mm-hmm. and have the polished look because that's what's saving them. Right. That's not the case here. We don't have that pressure. We just, we love to worship God by doing good things. It's ironic, isn't it, that the law is powerless to save, yet once saved, you will begin to fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. You will begin to be sanctified. The law is uh, the law that gives freedom, James says. The law is good if used properly, Paul says. The law, this is one of the, uh, we should talk about, we should explore this a little bit, because this is the one of the things in... A lot of modern evangelical Christianity that's really misplaced, and that's that there's this dispensationalism that says, well, the law no longer counts, or the law was Old Testament, and we don't do that anymore, or the law is all gone. It's all You, you hear it in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. I've heard yeah. it my entire Christian yep. life, and it leads to this idea that all I have to do is believe in Jesus and I'm saved. That's and, right. And yeah. that's it. That faith becomes this cheapened, uh, non-functioning thing, really, that happens once real quickly and you say a little prayer and everything's done forever, right? And, yeah. And it's the, just the get-out-of-jail-free card. Just the get, yeah, it's easy believism. It's decisionism. It's sinner's prayerism. Yes. When, <laughs> How when, many times have you had to say that one, you know? Right. When James is... Chapter 2 is very, very clear about the relationship between genuine faith and acts of the law, that they go together, that sanctification always follows justification. And you're exactly right. To discount the law is is a really big problem because it leads to that. And, and I think in a lot of ways it came about by good intentions. You had very even evangelistically minded Christians that wanted to get people saved and just loved people coming to Christ and all these good things. And it became very easy to say, you don't need to worry about the law anymore. Just believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. And it was, was, um, you know, salvation for dummies. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, let's take all the meat and potatoes out of mm-hmm. what the Christian walk is mm-hmm. and what sanctification is. Throw that out, and then we can just do this real fluffy rainbows and kittens kind of thing. And here's your card. Yeah. Now you're saved. Now you're saved. Keep doing what you were doing. No lordship of Christ. Yeah. No picking up our cross daily. What does it mean to pick up your cross daily, except to? really be focused on trying to live out the dictates of the moral law yeah let let's be clear we're not talking about ceremonial law right or civil law except 
where there's general equity. There, civil law still will even count where there's general equity, right? But, I mean, you can eat shellfish okay, <laughs> if you want to. Uh, you know, that's all right. I don't want <laughs> you can have uh, mine. Yeah, but the moral law. I'll eat the God, bacon. Yeah, yeah, moral law of God um, remains. God doesn't change his mind. You know, That's right. All the policies and all the laws that he had put in place for his people back then are still beneficial for us now mm-hmm. and really good insight for how we should apply to our laws. You know, there's there's a lot of great stuff in Old Testament, um, I guess, what, Leviticus, mm-hmm. Exodus. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of these cases that are very helpful to apply towards us now that help us to deal with some, I guess, travel some really murky water. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it really talks about things that we're dealing with. And you've, you have a great word that describes this, but I always forget the word. Specifically with the law is general equity. Uh, when, you're, when you're trying to tease, tease out parts of certain parts of the law that still apply for today. Is that the words you were looking for? Yep, general equity. Even now I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, very, very important. It takes a lot of work and a lot of Bible study, right? But there's, there's uh, the, you know, it's the three uses of the law. It makes sinners um, sensible of their sin. It gives Christian a roadmap for good Christian living, and it provides a basis for an orderly society, right? Mm-hmm. And those, those are all, um, those are all good and valid reformed tripartite use of the law, as the reformers would say. That's awesome. But there's the holiness code in Leviticus, for example. You can go through the holiness code and tease out all kinds of good um, principles for our living today. Absolutely. And the irony, again, is who is it that has faith in Christ? Is he that fulfills the law? If you love me, keep what? My commandments. My commandments. And the irony is especially in this day, that faith produces good works of the law. That's right. These are not opposed to each other. They they work in tandem. The law makes sinners sensible of their sin. They come to faith, and then they begin to fulfill the law through the Spirit, of course, right? Through the Spirit. The Spirit is behind sanctification. Absolutely. mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, we're going to have a quick break, and we'll be right back in a couple minutes. This is I Didn't Witness News, where the news is irrelevant and completely erroneous. I'm your host, Timothy Newson, here with some breaking news. Let's head over to Gregory Thompson for the latest in Tropical Storm, Patricia. Over to you, Gregory. It sure looks really bad out there, Gregory. What do you think is causing the storm in the first place? Well, we all the climate change. Well, there you have it, folks. 
Tropical Storm Patricia was clearly caused by climate change. Looks like you're going to have no other choice but to hunker down and stay home. No using those cars and fossil emissions. In other news, we have an exclusive interview with the first pregnant man. Uh, I mean, I mean woman. Uh, or thing. Let's take a look. Yeah, I'm just so happy. I mean, it took the doctors a couple tries, but they finally figured it out. I always wanted a womb. I, I just, I love the idea of just being so uncomfortable all the time and and having a waddle like a duck when I walk. That's a dream of mine I've been waiting for for so long and now I finally got it. That's great. When's your baby due? Uh, oh, uh, we haven't decided yet. Yeah. That just goes to show you that dreams do come true. Hold on to your dreams and anything is possible. We have one more exclusive interview with the new Tursa Supervans. Check it out. It's everyone's desire to be able to just plug it in and drive. Well, here's the new Tursa Supervan. Yeah, I really love my my new Tursa. This Supervan is amazing. I mean, I've been getting something like, I don't know, 30 minutes on the road? That's awesome. For batteries? It's a good deal. It always provides and it's always dependable. Get yourself a Tursa and drive in style. Oh man, not again. I just charged this thing. That's all for this evening, folks. This has been Timothy Newson bringing you the news that matters the least. Have a good evening. I think I'm gonna have to make it to the store. I don't have enough toilet paper, I think, to make it through Patricia. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, let's get right back into it. So, something you had mentioned earlier uh, is you were talking about how a lot of times we we kind of get this watered down faith, where it's oversimplified. It's just a, you know, here's the get out of jail free mm-hmm. card. Now you you're good. Go on living your life. It's this it's it's watered down faith or evangelicalism. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that I think that's probably a big part of what happened. Like you talked about there's people who were were trying to do the right thing. They they had good attitudes about it. But I think because of their worldview, they ended up taking it um, the wrong way, mm-hmm. and they oversimplified things, and they really opened up the church to be um, harassed by wolves all from the inside. Because I've been part of some some big seeker churches mm-hmm. um, where you you get in there, everything's great at first, but they don't this they don't try to disciple you. What happens is you're just trying to bring people in, save as many people as possible by you know making them comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is you have a, a whole room full of unbelievers. And I think that's what I think you're describing. And I think that's what happened, at least here in America. What do you think? Do you agree with that? I, I absolutely agree with agree with it. And I think this idea of sola fide or faith alone has been 
interpreted wrong over the years and you and started to take on that meaning of easy believism or all you have to do is believe in Jesus. No, every time we say that, let's stop and say we're not saying you can work for your salvation. We've made that abundantly clear, right? We can add nothing to our justification, nor can we take away from it, right? But this idea that, you know, I have friends that I've known for a long, long time, and they still tell me to this day, well, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. You know, I did that when I was 12. I don't anymore, but I did I mean, yeah, I've got no fruit in my life, but I believe (laughs) in Jesus, right? So there's been this this cheapening of faith, I guess is a way to say it, right? This reduction of the meaning of faith and the reformers had a very robust view of faith. They thought really hard about faith. And if you go read some of the old confessions, you'll see this, but they defined faith in a very robust manner. It was, it was threefold and I'll, I'll give them to you right quick. Okay. Yeah, they, go ahead. They, this really serves to stop all the easy believism and, and, cheapened views of faith that you're that you're describing uh, the first so the three parts of faith to the reformers the first was the noticia this is the and that's said with my texas accent okay so, <laughs> what did he say so i'm doing my best yeah i need that, to bleep that out that's the, that's the knowledge okay that's that's the intellectual intellectual content of the faith so there's to have true faith there's a certain amount of intellectual content that must be there. For example, Jesus is divine, right? Um, that God is a triune God, right? This is intellectual content that Jesus was a real person in history that died upon a cross and rose again on the third day. Okay, He's, so in other words, it's not blind faith. It is not blind. It's not a Kierkegaardian faith. It is It is faith that has knowledge to it and can be known. Something that history. backs it yes. up. So, so, for example, does a Jehovah's Witness have true faith? They certainly believe it and trust they it. They have a lot of very passion. Hard. With passion, yes. My 96-year-old great-grandmother climbed out of a hospital bed the day after surgery to go knocking on doors as a Jehovah's Witness because she thought if she didn't, she would be lost. Yeah. So they have passion. But the noticia is wrong. The intellectual content's wrong. God is not triune. Jesus was only a man. See, that's not true faith. Right. The Holy Spirit, he indwells someone and has regenerated their heart over time, corrects the intellectual content also. Yeah. See, by illumining his word. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Now, that intellectual content does not justify you. Mm -hmm. And there are extraordinary cases where it may not be there. The thief on the cross certainly didn't know God was trying God. Save nonetheless, right? Yeah. That's extraordinary. But ordinarily, okay, the reformer said this intellectual content needs to be there. I think think that's the sign of a mature Christian. You know, somebody who's a mature believer, as they are being sanctified, are going to show that. They're going to understand where that knowledge comes from, or, or more specifically, why they can be sure of their faith. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, you know, and Becky gets saved 
um, just, you know, 10 days ago, she's not going to have that. She's not going to understand that yet. But because of the sanctifying work of the Spirit, she eventually will, uh, depending on how long she stays on the earth, you know. Yes, and there is a, but there is a base um, amount there that needs to be there, okay, in ordinary situations, in ordinary circumstances, there are extraordinary, but does a person need to know that they're a sinner? Yeah. Okay, is that part of the intellectual content, that I'm guilty under the law, under yeah, God's I guess, law? I guess if you're saying it, yeah, that makes sense. And so doesn't that stop easy believing? You have to have the intellectual understanding of the gospel. Exactly, right? At least at the fundamentals. Of and it. part of the gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you're... A Muslim, for example, you believe in Jesus, you like Jesus, he's the second greatest prophet, he just, they put Judas on the cross instead of him. Yeah. See, the intellectual content's wrong, and he's not divine, he's not God, see? Yeah, I see what you're getting at. But you do need to know that you're a sinner, and that you're guilty before God, and that you are under his wrath before you get saved. This is part of the intellectual content, and that stops the easy believism. See, that stops. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. Just say this little prayer. See, see, we start with the law again. So the second part is the ascensus. This is my ascent. So I um, know the intellectual content and I agree with it. I say, yeah, okay. Okay. Yes, yes. Jesus, Jesus was a savior who hung on a cross and died for me. I agree with it. There are plenty of atheists who know the intellectual content, right? They know the noticia. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. better than, unfortunately, sometimes better than some Christians know mm-hmm. the Bible better, right? They know the in, informational content, but they don't agree with it. Yeah. And that can't be faith, right? That's right. Um, so you have those two, the intellectual content and my assent, my agreement with it. And then thirdly is what the Reformers called the most important one, and that was the fiducia. Okay, that's the faith. That's the trust you were speaking of. That is a weird word, brother. I'm just going to tell you right now, if I use that word, people are going to go, what are you talking about Yeah, but see, you there? could probably say it where it doesn't sound so silly, right? Well, but it's more I fun just, hearing you say it. In your yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure I'll never <laughs> hear the end of it. <laughs> well, I mean, do you know what a fiduciary is? Right? Uh, I think that's a yeah. hilarious sounding word, too. <laughs> I think it's a great thing to call yeah. somebody you don't like. <laughs> Oh, I, I was born this way, okay? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I did not choose this. God, um, in Acts 17, he told me that he chose the exact place for me to be born, and it just... Well, so he did it so it. he could laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark going, he's yeah. saying silly things again. <laughs> uh, I can only pray for eternity to get here so all these sin natures that make fun of me are gone (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah okay so that is the trust that's the faith i know who jesus is i know who god is i know i'm a sinner i know he died for me that's the intellectual content i agree with it Mm -hmm. i've come to this place now where i agree with it but now i have to do this very most important thing and that's to place my faith in it Place my trust in it, okay? As you were saying earlier, place my hope in it, right? That I have given myself over to it, see? And those three 
elements create a very robust version of faith that is not susceptible to all these abuses that we see in our day, right? Yeah. Yeah, because I could easily see that mm-hmm. kind of distinguishing that that, yeah. that weak sauce that, that we have out sauce. there. Yeah. yeah, that would help push you away from that. Mm-hmm. And and that's why um, reformers don't do a lot of altar calls historically. You know, we we don't do an altar call really. I like to give the gospel. Every yeah, the gospel Sunday. is proclaimed pretty mm-hmm. much every Sunday, all the time, uh, but not so much. Uh, you know, everybody bow their heads now. We're going to sing for 45 minutes and put, put your, your hands, hands up, up in the air. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I've been in rooms like that before. Yeah, when I was a kid, <laughs> they locked us They locked us away in a room and showed us a thief in the night. And Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know <laughs> you what that is? told us this story before. <laughs> if you saw it now, you'd probably laugh. But to a little kid in the early 70s, it was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, again, trying to elicit an, an emotional response, right? And um, we want to have those three elements there and really make sure that they're there because that's what real saving faith is. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to talking about faith in this day and age, the word of faith is everywhere. And word of faith has a very, very different definition of what faith is. In the word of faith theology, faith is a force. Yeah, a, it's, it's like the force. <laughs> it is like the force. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? It's a, These it's are a, not the it's droids a, you're looking for, it's right? It's a little bit magical. Yeah. Um, you can command it to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get nice vehicles sometimes oh, yeah. if you do it right. Um, you can heal people. Right. Uh, you can become very prosperous in mm-hmm. different aspects of your life. Um, <clears throat> I, the, the, my experience with it is typically in charismatic groups. Okay. Uh, that's where I'm most familiar with this. I mean, other people have different experiences, I'm sure, but uh, it, it really kind of ties close to that because there's a lot of this. If you don't have enough faith, that's why you didn't get healed. If you don't have enough faith... You didn't. You couldn't do this one thing right, or another. Right, but right. if you have this faith, look what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, have you heard of IHOP, International House yes, of Prayer? Yes. Not, not, you know, <laughs> not where you go to get pancakes. Yikes. I mean, they're a little different. <laughs> but yeah, like I feel like that's a really. I don't know if it's a close line or if it's already full in, but I think that's where I think of when I think of this mm-hmm. this conversation. What do you what do you have to say about that? Yeah, well let's let's distinguish between uh, some charismatics and word of faith theology. So not they're not exactly synonymous, right? right? There are charismatic. Wayne Grudem is a little bit charismatic, and he's not a word of faith guy, right? Uh, so th- so there is a distinction that needs to be made there, but they do tend to run together a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And word of faith theology is not faith to me it is a wrong definition of faith it's not a biblical def it it let me let me get us in trouble here i to Uh-oh. me it it looks and feels like sorcery okay okay which the bible condemns absolutely where i can control reality around me by this power that i wield and that power is contained in the words that i speak for good or ill 
if if I laugh at a joke and say, "Oh, you're killing me," uh, well, I've I've spoken death onto myself, and I you know took a year off my life, or so. I don't know how they do the actual calculations, <laughs> but if you say that enough, you'll die, according to this theology. The faith is very very. Um, at best sub-Christian, but I, I would say it's a non-Christian version of faith, right? That God used this power of faith to create the universe, and he created us in his image, and we are just like, we are little gods like yeah. him, and we yeah. wield this power like a sorcerer or something. It's, it really needs to be distinguished from sola fide. I, I had a friend of mine uh, <clears throat> invite me to his church one time, and I went and sat there. And it was about three hours worth because they had a prophetess come in. But even during the service, right in the middle of it, they all stood up as a church together and chanted, I kid you not, money, 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 give us money, 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 Mm. give us money. And I sat there going, what have I done coming here? <laughs> what in the world is going on? I made on a here? wrong turn somewhere. Yeah, and the pastor's sermon was on, hey, if you want to live in uh, Victory Lakes, put more money in that, you know, mm, in that bowl. Yeah. And that's word of faith theology, you know, is, yeah. you know, Paula White, you know, oh, I got this vision. If you send me, you know, it's based on Psalm 66, one or whatever. If you send me $66, he'll turn it into 66,000 and, you know, and all this nonsense. Yeah. So that prophet, prophetess got up and started singing <laughs> a version of, uh, I'll take you there. Remember the old BB and CD CC whining song? Yes. I'll take you there. I thought you were going to say money. (laughs) (laughs) They might as well have. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) And I was sitting in the front row in my suit, of course, right? As you know, you can make fun of me if you want to. But uh, (laughs) another episode. uh, Yeah, another episode. I was the only one there, too. And I was sitting right on that front row, and she was as close to me to you. For what forty-five solid minutes singing that same song, looking at me, and me looking back at her. And I'm I, not giving you I a am thing. Not, I am not <laughs> giving in to this. <laughs> she do it, and I do it. You know, <laughs> that's a true story. Wow, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> and it's I. You can get. I can start naming churches around here and tell you stories. Uh, we're not going to gossip. Uh, but but horrible stories where these kind of things go on and these kind of abuses happen mm. and um, it's just not a it's not a good scene and it goes back to that definition of faith. Our definitions of faith are very very important. Yeah. You brought out the easy believism and that's as big or bad a problem, right? And and this definition of faith faith is not good um and the more you look the more you realize how important sola fide defined properly is yeah and i think that just really muddies the water for us Mm -hmm. it makes it even more unclear uh, to unbelievers and you know one of the big things i see on the horizon and, and really already here is new ageism you know that's where i've seen the most in my experience is people are just flocking to new age whatever 
whether it's some form of, you know, yoga or some Asian mysticism right? or just something they, they find on TV. That's just like, do this, get some crystals, do whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> or even going to Bethel Redding, you know, going into that, it, there's a lot of new ageism there too. Right. It's crept into the church um, and it's really caused a, a lot of confusion and it's grotesque. And uh, I think that's what, in my mind, when I look out at the battlefield, that's where I'm seeing the most action. Absolutely. And I see that's coming because mm -hmm. more and more people are becoming pagan because atheism doesn't work. Atheism cannot bring you any kind of real meaning. And so what happens? I need something. I need right, some I something to worship. And I know that I can't worship myself anymore, at least just straight up like an atheist does. So... Let me go find a crystal. Let me go find a guru. Let me go find something so I can worship another way. Amen, brother. You took the words right out of my mouth. You know, the, these atheists promised us this secular utopia and what they didn't realize and what we tried to warn them on is if you destroy the church and Christianity, you're not going to get secularism. You're going to get paganism. Yeah. You're going to get people dancing around fires. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. And so now people, where where faith has been destroyed, what are they doing? They're seeking it in some other form and fashion and all kinds of different stuff. It's exactly right. That's why solo fide is so important. So important. Every generation has to fight the battle, my friend, and your generation is going to have to fight it at that point, among mm -hmm. others. Yep. It's one of the, uh, the bookends to kind of keep everything in, mm -hmm. right, to keep Christianity solid mm -hmm. and to keep out all the crazy stuff that we're talking about and what we're seeing and what's trying to infiltrate all right all right so next time we're talking about sola gratia sola gratia grace alone grace alone so thanks again for coming on to the show i'm glad you're here and got to give us all this great information so looking forward to seeing you next time god bless see y'all later bless.